Here at the Matt and Jerry Show, we'd like to wish you all a very happy holiday season and let you know this was pre-recorded over the phone earlier in the year. Let's get busy. It's time for another edition of the Matt and Jerry Show Platinum Series, Series of Interviews. We now welcome to the Platinum Series, Series of Interviews, he really doesn't need any introduction, with multiple hit TV series and comedy specials and a hilarious, iconic laugh, ladies and gentlemen, it's Jimmy Carr. Thank you so much for your time, Jimmy. We're just looking here at the places that you're playing on your tour coming to New Zealand. We're just checking that you've done your due diligence on the tour because I see you're going to Palmerston North and I'm not sure you're aware of what happened to John Cleese when he went to Palmerston North. I'm not aware and this is exciting stuff. I mean, obviously, I'm playing every town (laughs) in New Zealand. It's my my kind of effort to be more environmentally friendly. I'll come to you. You don't need to travel to me. I'll come to you. I'm just trying to keep Greta Thunberg happy. Yeah, we'll see. I've got, I mean, I myself, I've got a, a carbon footprint like a fracking Wookiee, but <laughs> everyone else could just stay put. I'll get to you. Because people, people say they've played New Zealand and they've done Auckland and Wellington and then gone home and you go, that won't do. Mm. See it. Well, John Cleese described Palmerston North as a good place to kill yourself. And as a result, <laughs> they renamed the, the local dump uh, Mount Cleese. <laughs> Mount Cleese. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. And, 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 and it, you know, well, it, it, he, he, I'm sure he would take that well, wouldn't he? It's just a bit of fun. <laughs> yeah. Everyone's just joking. Yeah. Um, also, I mean, I've, I've not, how long am I there for? A day or two? I think, think you're there for. I think you're think there for a month stand. I think. Well, no, you're there from Friday. So you do Friday night at Palmerston North. I mean, that's a big night. Um, Friday night there in Palmerston North, and then actually the Saturday, the next day, you're in Wellington. So you, yeah, I don't even know if you'll be if you'll end up staying the night there. You might drive all the way through. I will. I'm staying there. I hear the women are fantastic, and you know, <laughs> some of them. Well, let's see that you also. Like, you know. I like big hands, and some of them have got thick fingers there, so I'm, I'm all about it. <laughs> then you're going to Invercargill at some point as well, and of course, Invercargill, they, they haven't forgotten what Keith Richards said about Invercargill in 1971. I don't, I don't, the reason I'm going to Invercargill is because I don't care where as long as I'm mayor. I'm going to, <laughs> I want to meet that, I want to meet that lunatic. What did, hang on, what did Keith Richards do in Invercargill? Oh, Keith Richards, yes, yeah, so he called it the arsehole of the world. Uh, in Bacargill. But that was... Well, that seems a very unpleasant way to say it. I mean, if, if the world was going to have an enema, that's where they put it in. <laughs> I don't think you, you don't need to use that kind of language. They're never going to put that on the tourist sign. No, it's either there or Chile. Would be the two places that, that, you'd, that you'd do the world enema, wouldn't you? I think you'd be, I think you'd be all right, wouldn't you? I mean, New Zealand's great. Everything about it's great. What, what, why, why be a hater? Also... <laughs> Keith and John, don't go there if you don't like it. <laughs> yeah. To be fair to Keith, though, 1970 or yeah. 1969 or 1968 in Vicargo, it would have been a, a far cry from Carnaby Street, that's for sure. Yeah. 
I think so. I always view New Zealand as being, it's a long way away and a long time ago. That's <laughs> <laughs> accurate. Like, like the, well, here's the thing. It's one of my favorite quotes. William Gibson wrote this. He said, the future is here, but it's not evenly distributed. <laughs> and the flight to New Zealand is sort of a time machine. And you go back and it's kind of, it's, it's a wonderful little, it's a, it's a perfect place. I mean, it's just, I love it. It's absolutely gorgeous. But it, it feels like it's a, a different era. Yeah. Yeah, it does. It feels like that would be. I mean, you bring, you're bringing a few people with you because it can get a bit lonely in New Zealand. Uh, you're traveling with a decent sized crew. Uh, no, it's uh, me, me and one of the guys. That's the full tour company. Uh, I don't know if you've seen my show, but it's me on stage telling jokes. Who else would I bring? It's like, it's like an entourage. I why I, I, an entourage? Really? But if I bring an entourage, I only chat to the entourage. Whereas if you travel on your own, travel light, and then you meet people. Are people expecting you to be a guru now? I, I read your book. I really enjoyed it, actually. But it's uh, it's, it's sort of a memoir, but it's also self-help you and a bit of wisdom. <laughs> okay, I listened to the audio book. Actually, honestly, I did actually listen to the okay, audio book. Yeah, that, that, that makes more sense. Um, <laughs> no, there's no guruing. It's just I think I wrote a book that I would have... You know, I think you always end up writing the book that you want to read. And I read a lot of kind of self-help stuff and... I really enjoy it. I get an awful lot out of it. And I had this big kind of transition when I was in my mid-20s from a very boring job to a very fun life. And I want that for other people. So I wrote a book about kind of how I did that. And I think it kind of is funny enough that it... Like the problem with the self-help section is it's very earnest and po-faced. And the people that need to read those books or the people that would benefit don't want to read them. So I'm kind of sugaring the pill with a couple of dick jokes. You also had a transition in the middle of your 20s from being a virgin to a non-virgin, which was a revelation for me in the book. Uh, yeah, I mean, I didn't. I think it's a nice thing to talk about because for a lot of I mean, I was like, I'm like I sound like an incel elder, but it's just one of those things where you go, if, if you're looking at popular culture, you would... Seem to have lost our line there. Jimmy, Jimmy, we're back. So Something what, happened there. Where did we, we get to? Oh, you were we talking about, answer? we were talking about virginity. Oh, yeah. Well, look, here's the thing, Matt, Jeremy. Um, you're going to meet the right girl one of these days. It's going to happen for you. <laughs> <laughs> Jimmy? Yeah. Good. I was just checking that you're there. Jimmy, if you're, oh, yeah, okay. if, if you're talking to someone. You're needy. If you're, you're talk- so needy. Uh, if you're yeah. talking to someone and you think of a really good joke or like an insult and it's in a private setting, do you say it to them? no matter what the consequences? Because I imagine everybody knows they expect something from you. So do you just, yeah, have, I, have you got a license yeah, now to I, say I, whatever you want? I think so, yeah. I think I'm like grandfathered in. And also, my, um, my only duty is to funny, really. So you've got to, you know, if it's a swing and a miss and you offend someone, then I'll, I'll live with it. But I think as a comedian, you kind of, you tend to get away with more because people know that, well, you're coming from a place of it being a joke. You're in a position where people will be offended if you don't offend them. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a wonderful world for me. <laughs> well, on that, do you reckon audiences are changing? I mean, do you think they're becoming more sensitive? Because you're at the coalface. I mean, where's the line well, nowadays? Because for the longest time I, I thought we were so becoming more desensitised to stuff, but recently I feel like it may have reversed. Well, there's a weird thing, though, isn't there, where you, you assume that there's one audience and they can talk about our society as a whole. And of course you can't. There are many different audiences. Some people are 
much more sensitive. And some people, um, I mean, I don't think you really choose your sense of humor. I think, I think your sense of humor betrays you. <laughs> it sh- it, you know, it's, it's who you really are. Because you laugh first. It's like a reflex, isn't it? It's an involuntary action, laughter. So it's not like you're not choosing. You're not saying oh, morally, oh, yeah, that's a, that's a good joke. So I'm going to laugh at that good joke. You just laugh. Um, so I, I, I think people that have share my sense of humor, that's just it's a big part of who they are and will always be. I don't think anything really changes. Yeah, it'd be an interesting situation if, if you make a joke and then someone laughs at it and then they're angry at you, they're completely complicit in it. They, they can't be angry once you've made them laugh. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a weird... I mean, I think you never need to apologize for a joke. There's a, there's a fancy schmancy theory it's called benign violation, which is all about how jokes are ways of making things that are terrible funny. You know, you, you, you basically recode it as funny and a great... A great kind of indication that the healing has begun on any issue or topic is that you can then joke about it. What and about, until those kind of a bit, uh, go on. What about that idea of too soon? What do you reckon about that? I, I don't subscribe. <laughs> I mean, it's not. It's not. It's not for me. I mean, it's like it's that thing. Here's the thing: you can joke about anything, but not with anyone. I think with the people that buy a ticket to my show, I'm fine. But I wouldn't go around shouting my jokes through someone's letterbox. <laughs> yeah, and that's the, there's the other thing with um, comedy. When it's written down and blasted out in a tweet or written in an article in a newspaper, it always honks. It sounds terrible because it's not in the environment. Well, have and- you ever... I th- uh, yeah, it's, a, it's, a, it's an obvious thing, but have you ever read a book of stand-up, like a book of printed <laughs> stand-up material? Yeah. Never. They yeah. don't exist. No one prints it. So the great don't bother printing a, a, a book of their work because there's, there's really no point. It only exists in that moment between the audience is the most important thing in comedy. Like in music, a band can just record in a studio and it's still beautiful music. But with comedy, without an audience, it isn't anything. So it's that thing, you need an audience, you need someone to respond. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a very particular relationship. And in the end, the audience regulate comedy. They decide what is and what isn't funny and what is and what isn't acceptable. And I'm not saying anything that isn't getting massive laughs. <laughs> it, the, the, you know, pe- people talk about offensing comedy like, like there's any money to be made in being offensive. There's zero. People, people want a, a service to be performed. They want to laugh. And I'll deliver. And, you know, it, it, it's much easier to be politically correct when you're not trying to make 2,000 people <laughs> tackle for two hours. <laughs> Anyone you've ever made a joke about on stage, Jimmy, ever had a go at you when you've met them? No, people are very gracious. I mean, and surprisingly so, because I've said some terrible things. <laughs> I did, i tell you what, Madonna was a little bit off with me. And I was kind of, I was backstage, at, um, it was a Chappelle show. I was on with like John Stewart and Chappelle or whatever, the Royal Albert Hall. It was one of Chappelle's kind of incredible, you know, nights out. The circus moves with him. And Madonna came backstage and I thought, well, this is, this is perfect. And she was a little bit kind of, well, she said hello, but she was a little bit frosty. And I thought, why is that? And then I remembered, <laughs> I said, oh, Madonna is 50, but she's got the body of a man half that age. <laughs> and you sort of think, well, fair enough. You were very nice to say hello. I mean, she's a legend, whatever. Great, it doesn't bother me. Um, I think if you're going to make these jokes, you have to be willing to kind of, you have to be willing to face the consequence. Freedom of speech is not freedom of consequence. Mm. You just have to not care. 
you have to care more about being funny than being likable. Are you driving right now, Jimmy? I'm being driven, man. Oh, I made right. it in show business. Oh, right, right. So it doesn't work <laughs> to ask what kind of car you drive. Because, you know, when, when, I like, when I like successful people, I want to know that they're driving a nice car. It makes me feel good about the world. What, what, what kind of car do I drive? I'm driven, my friends. That's how well I'm doing. <laughs> Are you being driven in a Tesla? Uh, I've, I've got a Tesla, actually. I, there's a weird story about my Tesla. I bought a Tesla. So I went to the mall, the shopping mall, and you could buy a Tesla in the shopping mall now. So it's kind of... I thought it was kind of funny. I'd had a drink. I'd had something to eat. So I had nothing to do in the, in the, in the mall. I'm waiting for my missus. And I went into the Tesla store and the guy goes, do you want a test driver? I said, yeah, all right. And then so 10 minutes later, we're driving around in this electric go-kart. They're going, it was the X, the Model X. So they've got the gullwing doors that lift up, swoosh, like something from Star Trek. And I'm driving this thing and I think it's like, it's great fun. I drive it back after the test drive, and in, in, in the mall, they've got a garage underneath the mall, this underground garage, like six levels, and we get lost. Me and the guy doing the te- my missus is beside me, and the guy doing the test drive is in the back, the guy from Tesla. And he goes, I'll tell you what, mate, if you move the cones, if I move the cones there, we can go there, the charging station, just the other side. So, they, so I open the guy's the door, the guy gets out, moves the cones, and then I go... I go to pick him up. I'm a nice guy. He's like 50 yards away. I pick him up on the way to park the car. And crash! <laughs> I take the door off the car on the gantry above. Because I hadn't realized I'd left the, the suicide door up <laughs> and then took it off. I took the door off the car. So it's, it's hanging and twitching like, like by, by one wire off the back of the car like a dying Terminator. And I just put the window down and leaned out. The guy from Tesla, the poor guy, his jaws on the floor, and I just went, I'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's too good an opportunity not to come up with that line. Well, there's a, there's a moral in that story. When you mess up, you have to, you know, you have to face the consequences. Yeah, you've come away with a story. So are you being driven in your oh, own car, way, Jimmy? By Is... the way, by the way, I didn't. I didn't take that car. That one was fucked. <laughs> so do you get driven in your... Do you have to buy the car that you get driven in or do you get driven around in another person's car? You've had a conversation with a grown-up before, right? You've got better <laughs> questions than this, right? Well, I'm just wondering, do you have like a, full, do you have a full-time chauffeur, you? you know, like with gloves Why and a hat and stuff? man? What's going on here? This is... Uh, I like cars. I want to talk about cars. Okay. Well, I, I, you obviously got your own car, but like when you are being driven around, are, are you being driven around like a guy with gloves and like a hat? Is it that sort of situation, or is it is it a yes. bit more casual? Just yeah, in the front man, or the back I'm, seat? I think you're thinking of Penelope from Thunderbird. <laughs> yeah, how many wheels is it, your? It, what uh, you're thinking about? Have you got eight wheels yeah, on that car? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, of course, of course, I have. Are you in the front or the back seat? Parker is driving. Which seat are you in? I think it was Parker, wasn't it? Yeah, uh, yeah Parker. Yeah. Me lady. Me lady. Yeah. yeah, you're really painting a picture for your listeners. Well it, done. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm on, I'm, on, I'm on the way home. I'm, be, I'm being driven. But, you know, it's because I can't be trusted. Yeah, yeah. Hey, look, it's great to have you on our radio show. It's great for us to have a big star like you on, but... Will there come a time in your life when, when you've will, will, will there come a time in your life when you've done enough punishing radio interviews like this and you'll just say to management, "That's it. I, um, I have better things to do than talk to breakfast radio losers." 
No, I think, I mean, it goes both ways. I mean, I had a lot of support um, when I first came to New Zealand. And I think it's that thing where you go, at some point in your career, you're paying back for previous <laughs> interviews people have done with you when you really needed it. Now, frankly, I can, I can sell out New Zealand with no problem, <laughs> no help from, from the likes of you. But it's nice to come on and have a chat. Also, you'd be amazed the insight you get from chatting to people about, you know, you're chatting about the towns and what's going on and what people are talking about. It's nice, guys. Don't underestimate it. Don't undersell yourself. You're adding value. Oh, we appreciate your charity. And that's what it is. <laughs> hey, before we go, your laugh is, is magnificent, Jimmy. But the first time you watched it back, you know, the first time you heard it, you must have been slightly surprised. Were you ever tempted to tweak it or did you consciously make an effort just to fully lean into it? I don't, I, I don't know if you could. I mean, I don't think I laughed on TV for maybe the first five years, not authentically, because I was completely suppressing my weird laugh. And I remember, I think it was on a big fat quiz of the year, my mate Rob Brydon just went, hold on. <laughs> What's that honking sound? And I really just sort of let go and laugh. I just sounded like a, a, a demented seal. And he went, what's that? And it became kind of a big thing. I, I mean, it, it's certainly an odd sound, but people often go, is it real? And you go, why would you fake that? <laughs> it's, not as if, it, it's not as if the ladies are queuing up going, who's the honking goose guy? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Jimmy, thanks for your time this morning and I uh, look forward to seeing oh, you when you come pleasure. into town in January and um, best of luck uh, driving home. Well, thank you, my friend. Take care. I'm being driven. Bye. All right. <laughs> Bye.